0: Welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, your home for stories, inspiration, and advice from athletes over 40. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. I'm a later in life athlete who became a roller derby skater in my 30s and a runner and obstacle racer in my 40s. Now, I'm an athletic aging coach who helps women over 40 experience the massive life benefits that come with exploring your athletic potential at any age and any fitness background. If that fires you up, keep listening. Let's do this. Hey, hey, seasoned athletes. I am excited you're here, and I am excited to share another fantastic and fun interview with you. This week, I'm talking to Amy Stone. I feel like Amy is kind of like my East Coast counterpart. We're not exactly the same, but we have similarities. We're both endurance athletes, and we're both podcasters. I was recently on Amy's Mile After Mile podcast, And now I'm having her as a guest over here on Seasoned Athlete. Amy is a mom, a triathlon athlete, and a marathon runner. She hosts the aforementioned Mile After Mile podcast, and she writes a blog that follows her journey called Amy Says So. In our discussion, we talked about her own athletic journey. We talked about what racing is like during a pandemic, and Amy shared some of her favorite stories from her podcast. So let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Amy Stone. Hi, Amy. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge at our listeners today? I am, Robin Legat. I am. I love that enthusiasm. I get a lot of people that are like, "I guess," but um, and then I'm like, "Oh, I believe in you. I believe you can." But I really, really believe you can. (laughs) With that (laughs) level of enthusiasm, Amy, you are a runner and a triathlete based in Miami. You have seven Ironman finishes, eight standalone marathon finishes, and you do your best to take on as many racing adventures as you can fit into your schedule. Sure. You, yes, <laughs> you write about running and triathlon at amysaysso.com, and you're the host of the award-winning mile-after-mile podcast, Fun Fact, a podcast I was recently on. So we have already, we, I have been on your podcast, and now you have come over to the dark side. Or that's right. (laughs) We can decide which side's the dark side. In addition to chasing your own endurance dreams, you coach runners and triathletes to reach their own endurance goals as well. And when you're not running around being busy or literally running, you focus on trying to avoid hectic Miami traffic and avoiding all the PTA meetings.
1: Why is it so hard to hear other people talk about yourself? Isn't like, it's it so a funny? Bit weird. It's so funny. It's so funny to like even if I, even though I do it all the time, I talk about myself. I talk about myself in the third person, all of those things. It is so funny to listen to you introduce me.
0: I love yeah. it. I mean, it it takes getting used to, and I'm sure everybody says things just a little bit differently. One way to avoid all the PTA rate meetings is to say, "Well, I got I got to run." Like, I, gotta yeah, I gotta run. I gotta run. I used to, yeah, yeah, no, it's
1: definitely, it's one of those things you go through in being a parent that you feel like you really need to be there and that you're doing good things for your kids. And I love the women who run the PTA in all of the schools, but God bless it. I don't ever want to go to any more of those meetings. It was one of the greatest days of my life when I was like, you know what? Anytime you actually need me to do something, I'm there for you, but don't ever ask me to come to one of these meetings again.
0: <laughs> you're like, this is not my strength. This is not my zone of genius. This is I- not my <laughs> zone of genius sitting in this meeting. I- this is not my zone of genius. And you know, you're of no help to them if you're not working in that zone of genius. So None. I do nobody any good being right. like annoyed that I'm there. Right. You're doing them a favor. So from here, I'm going to ask the question I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I just turned 47. Happy birthday recently. Yep, yep, yep. Just a couple of days ago. Oh, wow. Our birthdays are ago. similar because I'm about to turn 46 in about a week. woo Yeah. We're more alike every day, like more and more alike. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. What did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports growing up? So I've been a runner since I was about 12.
1: But I mean, that's, that's I feel like that's a little bit like cheating, to say that, but I did. I had a, a PE coach in elementary school. I had a super unstable childhood. And so the first time that I remember an adult like taking an interest in me it was this gym coach who was like, dude, you're a good runner. And so from that standpoint on, I considered myself a runner. And the reason I consider that kind of a fake story is because I was never exceptional. I just was totally in my heart a runner, you know, like it was always the sport that I chose in middle school and high school and whenever I got the chance but I never was an elite level runner or anything like that so
0: um that's that's the beginning of my story well and that's so interesting to me because like I never identified as a runner for most of my life and I also was not exceptional (laughs) and to this day like you know I'm 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 the world's okayest fill in the blank. So in any sport I play, I like to say I'm the world's okayest, but there's something to be said for somebody recognizing that in you early and that you had somebody influential in your life that said you have this potential, you are a runner and you internalize that and you believe it. And it's like, that's the difference between you and me. No one told me that (laughs) when I was a kid. Right. So I spent a good chunk of my life avoiding it, not believing it. And it's like, it's like sliding doors. Like a life can go in two different directions depending on who influences you and and kids really soak in that stuff so you know i'm has that helped you like oh yeah influence your own kids No, absolutely. And it's
1: interesting because when things happen to you as a kid, you don't know that it's influencing you, right? It just is, right? So I didn't know when I was a kid that my life was unstable. I didn't, it's like you realize that when you're an adult and you look back at what happened to you as a child and you're like, holy crap, how did I make it through that? So running was my safe space. And it's super interesting because I was also like an artist. Like, so I was like the kid in the art room and traditionally in a school, right. That's not the same crowd, but I w- running was running with my safe space. And so it just was, it was just the way it was. I was like, I'm going to go to art class. I'm going to be with you people. And then I'm going to go run with my other people. I had two totally separate groups of,
0: um, of friends. So, and it, it worked for me. It worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward, you know, you ran like, was it organized or just, you went running? Like,
1: no, yeah, I was organized. So I was through high school. It was an organized, I would do cross country, which was, you know, good. And then track. And, um, and so that was organized. And then when fast forward, I was in school and college and did that. And then as a young adult, let's, I don't know, is that what we call ourselves in our twenties? Like when I was getting a job, I was in a new city. I had, um, you know, was drinking my weight in beer like my pants got a little tight and I needed to make some friends and I signed up for a marathon training group at a running store. So that's the that's the next stage of my running journey which I think parallels a lot of adults because it was driven by friendship. Yeah. And weight loss. Yeah. Not yeah. really weight loss but my pants were tight.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, and again, two different journeys because right. nobody told me I was a runner. I didn't grow up as a runner. So when I was drinking in my 20s, I didn't think to join a marathon group. <laughs>
1: You know, so, but Miami is an interesting place, right? So I was living in Miami then, which Miami is a fantastic place to be in your 20s. Like, it's super, super fun. But we have a high percentage of abnormally beautiful people here. So, you know, it's like you go to the beach and you're like, where are the real people? So when your pants get tight, you're like, okay, where do I find the belly shrinking group? Like, where do I, you know...
0: How do these people get this hot?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And then the next question is, where are the real people on the beach? Like, where is the beach with the real people? And you're like, and people are like, oh, over there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have your own beach for real people. There's the model beach, and then right. there's the one for the rest of us. So, this is the way it goes. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you found this marathon running community. And, the, you know, and the people that I talk to in this podcast, many of them find that much later. And I feel like I have found that much later. So you had the benefit of finding this in your 20s. And yes. finding this community of supportive people who want to do healthy things and help each other do healthy things, which is one of the most amazing things about a sporting and athletic community, is that you know they're all on your side, they're all here to cheer you on and help you make good decisions. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, did that lead you to your first marathon?
1: So it did eventually lead me to my first marathon. So there's a very funny story because I, even though I thought of myself like I internalized myself as a runner when I joined this run club and training group. I was not overly in shape or anything, right? So, I went to actually join a fitness 101 program. And I was young when I stepped in there and like you said, most people who are finding this are a little bit older, mid-30s mm-hmm. and somewhere in there. That's I mean, marathons and triathlons really appeal to people at change of life stages, right? Because you need some free time and you need some money to throw at the sports and all of those things. So I walked up to, this is in the late nineties and I walked up to the sign-up table. This is in the days before electronic sign-up, And yeah. so it was a card table out in front of an actual store. I had a paper printed form that I put my name on. I had a check to pay to sign up.
0: This sounds like ancient history.
1: Ancient history. Like, <laughs> so you really have to paint the story because people are like, oh, my God, remember that? This is in the days when we had beepers, mm-hmm. you know, like pre-cell phones. So I walked up and I was going to sign up for this. And the lady who owns the running store, who still owns this running store in South Miami, she looked at me and she said, oh you, you want to sign up for the half marathon group. And I was like, no, no, I don't. I want to sign up for the fitness program. She just took my form and moved it to the next pile. And she was like, yeah, you're doing the half marathon program. Congratulations. And I was like, what? No, I didn't. What? No. What are you talking about? But then it was, uh, so it was a beginner program and that's what I did. And when that ended, she took my paper and she was like, and now you're going to run the marathon. And I was like, all right, okay. I don't feel like I'm in charge of this conversation,
0: but let's do it. Okay. And it's like, she, she's like, I've owned this store for my entire right. life. Exactly. I can, I can tell her on file. site where yes. you're going to be. <laughs> Just That's exactly me. how it went. Just and I go back.
1: <laughs> she has me tell that story every once in a while at her begin at her side of group. She's like, how do you get started, Amy? And I was like, well, I got started because you put me in the other column.
0: <laughs> and, then, and then that night, she's going to do that to everybody else there too. Probably. So, yeah. Yeah. So you ran your first half marathon leading into your first marathon. When, when did the first marathon happen? So I ran the Disney Marathon. I always, it was
1: either 99 or 2000. The Disney Marathon is in January. So I always get it twisted around in my head. So, but one of those two years was the first year that I ran a marathon. And um, we, this was before we did not have a Miami Marathon at that point. My first half marathon, which led up to that, was not even a real race. We just ran with the store. They just laid out a course. They gave us bibs. There was a cooler, a beer. And it was great fun. It was really, really great really fun. It was, it's, I've been thinking a lot about it recently with all the virtual events, how important that event was to me without all the hoopla and how amazing and how proud it was, proud I was of myself when I did that. Cause it wasn't, you know, a big, big race. But then after that, I signed up for Disney and I went to Disney. I think it was 2000. Let's go with January, 2000. And that was my first full marathon.
0: Yeah. 20 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh As my God. Trip- yes. Yeah. Holy cow. Yes. That's exactly, that is good math. Good job, Robin. That's okay. I'm not but great seasoned. at math. I feel I, seasoned.
0: Yes, I, I'm not great at math, but I can handle like the even years.
1: <laughs> yes, no, I just, you know what's funny? I had
0: never like thought about the two benchmark dates, but
1: yeah, it's exactly, that's exactly right. And so, yeah.
0: And Disney races are different. Like that, your, your first one was very low key, Disney is
1: not. Disney was not low-key, and I'm not a huge Disney person, Um, so I'm not a huge, I don't, I I like rides, I like roller coasters, I don't love theme parks, Mm -hmm. and the theme parks I do like are the low-key, you know, funky ones, and not the big, so anyway, so Disney was an interesting choice for me. And it's the one and only Disney event I've ever done. One and done. They have you out there at three o'clock yes, in the morning. Yes, do.
0: they I've done, it's I've done crazy. a few out on the West Coast. So Is
1: it the same? I yes. wondered if it was just a Florida thing. It's yeah. like you're standing out there for hours.
0: Yes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah no, they're out there in the middle of the night. Um, cause they yeah. need to, cause they need to start it super early so they can run you through the parks before they open them. Right. That's
1: the other thing. It's a sham that you run through the parks. Like it's, like, I mean, you do run through the parks. I shouldn't say it like that. You do run through the parks, but it, when you visualize it, the first time someone tells you you're going to run through the park, you think you're running down main street when it's open and all the people there at the park are going to be cheering for you, but you're not, you run through them when they're closed, which is very cool. Yes. Very, very cool. And then you once to, they you get open get to go
0: backstage, but they get you yes. out of there. They get you out of there fast because they have to open. They have to open. That was my issue was like, I thought maybe more of the race would be in the parks, but you're only in there for like the first mile. And then for us, the rest of it's in Anaheim which is yeah. not, not the
1: same. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. It's the same here. You're running on these highways out in the middle of nowhere, and they run you out to the Worldwide Sports Center, yes. which is a huge sports complex. There is nothing out there, though. And, um, and then, I mean, it's very cool. You run through the backyards. I remember the back of the lots and stuff, and I remember they had just opened Animal Kingdom. And so we thought, I thought we were running up and people were gonna, there to cheer for us because we were running through the front gate but they were actually the people waiting for the park to open. So they were, they were not only not cheering for us, they were totally annoyed that we were in there. Yeah.
0: Us. They hate race day. <laughs> <laughs> they know, and they hate race day. So that was marathon number one. You yes. have, we're not going to go through each one because there's eight. Uh, yes. But, um, so you've done eight marathons. And then when did you decide to get into triathlon and why did you decide to get into triathlon?
1: So the way I got into triathlon was – so in Florida here, the summers are really, really hot. And we would go running on Saturdays and then go to breakfast. And frequently during the summers, we would say, you know, it's really hot to run. We should probably do triathlons because then you get to swim. And we thought that that would be cooler to do, like cooler temperature-wise – than running. And none of us had done them. And so none of us had any idea what we were talking about, but the idea was (laughs) in my head. And so then I had my kids and I signed up for a training group when my daughter was just a baby and did not even make it through the training, totally could not figure out how to do this with like a little baby, um, you know, and my, so didn't even didn't make it. And then my brother and I cooked up an idea to do a triathlon together. And that was when it sort of gelled. And that was about 2010. So 10 years after my first marathon. And so that was, we have a summer series here in Miami, or we did, hopefully we still do. Um, And so where there are five races all on the same course out on Key Biscayne, and it's like a local series, tons of fun. And so we're like, yeah, we'll just do this. And I remember my brother who had done a triathlon. He's like, Amy, you need to know these are hard. And I was like, yeah, yeah.
0: whatever
1: whatever i'm gonna swim and and
0: stay cool
1: exactly (laughs) and i literally one day i sent i had done um i had run the seattle marathon um, and I sent, I came back and I said, I was going to train for the triathlon and I sent him a message like from the locker room in the gym. And I was like, how can I run 26 miles and I cannot swim 400 yards. And he wrote me back. Cause he's a little bit of a smart aleck. And he's like, next time, try holding your breath while you run. And I was like, that's not helpful. And then I realized I was like, oh, actually it is kind of helpful. Okay. <laughs> I, I see the problem. I see the problem. Breathing. Right breathing yeah, is the problem i'm not used to this <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's like secret ninja advice right there
1: okay so that yeah. was the first one, okay. 2005 i did i dnf that first race um, oh. i got a flat tire oh, no. in the parking lot before the race had no it was, it was fat. i was so relieved when <laughs> this happened because i was totally overwhelmed i realized before this that i was in over my head and undertrained and so i had this like hybrid bike and we got a flat tire in the in the parking lot. And I was so unskilled for this, Robin, that I didn't know that there would be a mechanic in transition that would help me. So I was like, oh, I just can't ride my bike. I'll just do the swim and that'll be it. And, and I was like, whoo, whoa, got, you know, dodged a bullet, dodged a bullet there. And yeah. then uh, went and did the swim and learned what so, so many people learned on their first triathlon that. The, you know, knowing how to swim and swimming the swim leg of a triathlon are two totally different things. And so that was a real eye opener, but I did get it done. And then I, that was it for my race day that day, but I was signed up for this whole series. So I went the, so that would have been a Sunday to Monday or Tuesday that week. Like as soon as I could, I, I remedied my flat tire. I went to the bike store and I bought an entire new bike because that's the obvious solution when you have I mean, a flat
0: tire. That's I the next feel thing like, you do. Yeah, like <laughs> same with a car, right? Like one yes. thing goes wrong with the car, you got to get a new car. <laughs> That's
1: exactly. I mean, it yeah. is so ridiculous looking back, but, um, but it was, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a bike that was really uh, suited for triathlon. And I just decided if I'm going to do this, let's do this. And, um, I bought a beautiful blue aluminum bike, road bike, and I got a blue helmet that matched my bike. And I got shoes with blue accents because you got to match. I had to match. It's,
0: this is, you really have your priorities in order.
1: <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did. I did. I did. They saw me coming in the bike store. They were like,
0: sign her up. She's going to keep giving us all the money. Yes. And I have all the, have. yes. <laughs> you're loyal to your running store. You're loyal to your bike store. I'm loyal to all the bike stores. Yes. All the bike stores. Yes. I have to spread the wealth. Yeah. So you have, um, how many triathlons have you
1: done? So the short ones, I don't know how many I've done a lot. Like you can race a long time and then I've done, um, seven full Ironman. So like running and triathlon are very similar that once you start them, it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole and want to race all of the time. And with triathlon, I, there was, the, there's the carrot of the ever longer races, just like running, you know, so yes. it's like you do a 5k and you finish and they're like, well, there's a 10k mm-hmm. and you do the 10k and they're like, well, there's a half marathon. And a similar thing happens in triathlon where they're like, there's, and they actually do them frequently. The short ones all on the same course on the same day. So you can see the people doing the longer races. So I, I did a year of sprints and then I stepped up to international Olympic, which is the next longer distance. And then my, uh, again, I'm going to throw my brother under the bus. My brother's like, we should do an Ironman. And I was like, no, no, we should not. I'm done Uh, listening to your crazy (laughs) ideas. (laughs) I was like, we should not do that. And he's like, no, no, we should just try. And so I was like, all right, we'll try. And I was like, I'm going to do, we'll step up to these half Ironmans. And if I like that, then we'll have the conversation. And the idea was that we were going to do it together. But then he backed out and I ended up going all the way and doing all of these Ironmans. And so it's all his fault, the whole thing.
0: He just, he's like leading the way for you. He's exactly. like, just like the running store lady. He's like, yes, exactly right for you. I'm going to pull you in by saying, I'm going to do it with you. And then just back away.
1: Back away. <laughs> exactly. Back away. Exactly. So yeah, but I, I, along the way, I found that I really, really do enjoy it. I love it. It's, um, um they're very different. I love the marathon and I love the long triathlons. They're very different, but they are very doable physical challenges. And they're also very mentally challenging. You just feel like you, you know, you just feel like you're really doing something special when you get it done.
0: I agree. I actually have not done a triathlon yet, but I did run my first marathon this year. And so I'm right there with you where it's like, it is just as much mental as it is physical. Um, It requires a high level of commitment, at least for a temporary amount of time, but you feel so accomplished when you finish. And they are things that anyone can do if they're willing to put in the effort, you know, yeah, that, that I was never i didn't identify as a runner for most of my life, and you know, as it turns out, I can run a marathon, and so i I like to tell everybody else, so can you,
1: yeah, I mean that's what it, i mean it's hard it's so hard to hear that when you are working up to it and you haven't done it yet. Yes. And I remember the first time I was halfway through training for my first Ironman and somebody told me anybody can be an Ironman. I was—I mean, every week was a strain for me at that point. Every Every week just seemed impossible. And I just remember thinking, I don't know if that's true. But now that I've been doing it for a while and I've met so many people who are truly just e- examples of that, It is. I mean, it very much is. It's like, you know, it may not look the same for every single person, but I know somebody who's a double arm amputee who's done multiple Ironman. And I know a quadriplegic who as part of a tandem team has done two or three Ironman. If you mentally commit yourself to how am I going to get this done? There's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And, and it's, it's part of that is getting past that barrier that it's impossible that I can't
0: there's a there's a point you reach at some you know there was there were many years where I was like half marathon is is great like two hours of half running. Half marathons are great. Yeah. Half and marathons like, are great. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like two hours seems like the the limit for the amount of running yeah. I want to do all at once. Why would I even want to do a marathon or more? And for the longest time, I just I wasn't there. I wasn't ready. And then something changes. And I think many of us who go down this path experience that where you just reach that point and maybe for you you just needed your brother to like push you through the door. But apparently. <laughs> apparently but we reach that point where we start entertaining it. Yeah. And and then it becomes accessible to us. You know, then things change. But you know, that's why I always advise to never say never because you know, you never know when your brain's going to make that little switch or that person in your life is going to tell you, you are a runner or you need to run the half marathon or you need to do this triathlon. And yep. that's just the nudge you need.
1: Yes. Yes. yes, Yeah. Somebody said to me recently, "They said you got to see it to believe it. You got to see it to be it. Something like that. I'm mixing up that quote, but that's like a big thing. Like, it's like you, you, you of course you can't see yourself doing something that you don't even know exists. Like until you meet somebody who, or hear somebody who sounds like you or looks like you or represents you, you identify with whatever that is, like a a person who is in your running group or you meet at the grocery store or is in the PTA with you or in your book club. And they're doing something that, you know, you see them and you identify with them. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I don't have to be, you know, an Olympian to be able to do this.
0: Yeah. And maybe you yeah. hear their story on a podcast.
1: Right. No, absolutely. No, that's why, that's one of the, that's definitely why we tell all these stories, right? Because we yeah. want people to listen and say, oh, you know what? Yeah. Because I would like to see if I can do it. It's, I mean, it's super
0: empowering Yeah, to take oh, these
1: goals. A hundred
0: percent. I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that, or I'd like to think that having so many different marathon runners come on this podcast with so many different backgrounds Probably when you hear those stories over and over and over again, yes, you might start thinking hmm, maybe this is something I can do. You know, yeah, and I'm sure you've yeah. had similar experiences on your podcast as well. Oh yeah,
1: no, I get so inspired by the people that I talk to to do all kind of things, and some of them I decide, some of them are things that I don't, I, I don't think I want to do because there is a difference between knowing you can do something, yes, if you put your mind to it, and just saying, well. I could do that, but still, that's not something I want to do. So I interviewed somebody who did the, oh, it's a, you jump out of an airplane. So skydive ultra, sorry. So skydiving, and then you run an ultra marathon. I know that was a thing. It's so it is, uh, in the spring in Florida. So you skydive and then you can do an ultra marathon and it's very cool story, but I'm not sure that that's on my to-do list. I mean, it might be like, it's out there. It's one of those things. It's like, do I want to jump out of an airplane? I mean, a perfectly good airplane. Do I really, am I going to,
0: you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm similar. I have not yet had that desire to jump out of a plane. Um, but I imagine if I did jump out of a plane, my adrenaline would be up to then go run. That's what, that's what yeah,
1: That is definitely. Yes. I, <laughs> I think so. I, think I would absolutely. not have to psych
0: myself up to go run after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> not. So I like to talk about highs and lows um, okay. of athletic journeys. So what would you consider like your worst or your lowest race day or competitive moment? Like, did you have, a, okay. So just a bad day that you had out there. Yeah. Um.
1: All right. So Ironman Louisville. Um, is not one of my seven Ironman finishes, but I started it and I wasn't able to complete the race. So that was really, really hard. And what's super interesting about that is that it even, so the situation was, it was in um, 2018 and it was like 43 degrees, which is not in my wheelhouse a specialty because I live in Miami, Florida. So like I had a plan for how to deal with cold weather. It was not a good plan because I didn't know what I was doing with cold and rainy weather. And I got in to a situation and I thought about it and I made a very careful reasoned decision that was even now I will tell you is the right decision. Like when I said, this is not a good idea for me to be out here, I'm not having any fun, I'm not doing well, I'm not going fast enough. And so I pulled myself off the course and it was the right decision. It was absolutely the right decision. And yet also it felt terrible for months because I did not have the skill set to deal with the mismatch in my identity between like, I am someone who finishes Ironmans and someone who pulled herself off the course of an Ironman. And so that was a super low day, but then figuring that out and moving past that was also really important because now I'm much more balanced in my approach to how I look at my participation in these races, which turned out to be key this year because there are no races. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to start. So Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. What do you think was key in helping you make that mental switch from that, that identity mismatch that you had and getting past that? What what helped you do that? Um, it was it was a it was a it was just a process.
1: Right. I would tell I would, was going through like this process. I was like, no, I made this decision. I'm fine with it. And then why am I so like upset? And I would talk to people about it and they would tell me and they would say, no, it's fine. It's so on and so forth. And then finally I did talk to somebody who said that there, she was like, you know, she was explaining about the way the I am statements work. Like I am a runner. And she was actually talking about injury. But then in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm doing the same thing. Like, so I am a runner. And If you think of yourself, I am a runner. Like I am identifying as a runner. And then you have like plantar fasciitis that you're recovering for like, a year, which is a, just a really, really tough injury. It messes with your head because, you know, you've got, you've embodied this thing. Like, what do I do now if I'm not a runner? Like people who retire go through a similar thing. I am a teacher and then I'm retiring or making a shift. And so once I made that connection, I was able to say, no, I'm a person who does triathlons. I'm a person who participates in triathlons. I love triathlon. I am a person who is a triathlete, but it's okay if I choose not to finish this race. Right. And then I, then I, and that was really good. And I was able to move forward and be like, all right, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not no. an indictment on you as a person. For no it's reason. not, it's not, but it is really, I mean, I'm sure, you know, people who struggle with races that they pull out of for injury or, um, the conditions are hard or something goes wrong. I mean, you know, whatever, you know, whatever happens during a race, it's very mentally challenging to deal with that. I did not finish.
0: Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. 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 I, I I've known plenty of people. <laughs> yeah. Happens. No.
1: Cause it's a fact of racing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, it is, it can be really, really hard and yet often. And usually it's the right reason. You know? Yeah. No. And, and it's I, it's the right know, thing to and- do
1: it's so easy to see it when somebody else goes through it and you're like, no, no, you're fine. You're totally good. You're good. You made the right choice. Move on. Go. You're good. You go. And good. And that's why every day I was like, I was like, what is it? Why is this still in my head? Like, why is it bugging me? It's different when it's you. um, It's different when it's you. Yeah. It's different when it's you.
0: On the other side, uh, what was your best day, your highest point, your greatest accomplishment, your best competitive moment that you can remember? Oh, geez.
1: That's such a good question. That's so fun. All right. I'll go with my first. I mean, I guess it's the firsts, right? You know, the firsts are really fun. And so the firsts are really, really special. And my first marathon was really special, but I, with the training with a marathon, I was pretty sure I was going to finish that marathon. I didn't win. So, you know, that was the accomplishment. It was a great day. I was not sure I was going to finish my first Ironman. You never put those big blocks of training together. So you, I just was not sure that I was going to do it. And even when I was on the at the end of it, I was like, I don't know, am I going to make it through? I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but like I was just going to be swooped up by a um, an alien ship and not finish. And so that was the first time that I had done something where I was like, I don't know if I can do this, and I strung it together. And I crossing that finish line was truly, truly like a, a special, special moment. And there was a shift after that where I was like, all right, so you know, I didn't think I could do this. I found a way to get it done how does that, it has like a, a, domino effect through your life. It's like, all right, now, what are some other things I want to do and how am I going to get them done? And, um, and it, it's, it's, it, yeah. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say that finishing my first Ironman, which was Ironman France in
0: 2013. Amazing. And it's, it showed you what was possible. It opened yes. up Possibility. Yes. That's so cool. That's so cool. So you are 47 now, That's just barely seven. Just barely. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if this year wasn't what it is, right. obviously <laughs> there's not. If only, um, but you know, obviously we're not racing a whole lot, if at all, this year. If it wasn't in a in a different world, how many races do you think you would be doing this year?
1: So that's really a good question. So I would have been doing, so when you do the, when I do the big races, if I have an Ironman, that like swallows up a lot of the little races. And so my total number of races in the year may not be massive, but I started the year, January and February, I raced every sort of, I had like seven races already under my belt, like by the end of February. It was like insane. They were all squished together. And I had done one of those things where I had just been randomly signing up for things as people advertised. And I looked and I was like, what is all this on my calendar? So I had all these races. I mean, thank goodness you did. Yeah. And then it just came <laughs> crashing down. So, um, and we and it stopped, but I was planning. So I had those races and then I was planning, let's see what's been canceled. I was planning the seven mile bridge run and that was canceled. And then I was planning, I was going to do a couple of half Ironmans. I was going to do Chicago marathon. That was deferred. So I'll do that next year. And then my plan was to do Ironman Cozumel. But I mean, I never even signed up. Because things started to get canceled, and I was like, "Oh, okay, we're not doing that." So I would have done, let's say, nine or ten races. Let's say,
0: you and I are similar. We're we're motivated by races. Usually, races fuel our training. Like they drive our training. They help determine the structure of our training. Um, without that, this year, you know, what what is what's been happening with you in regards to fitness, saying. in regards to training. You know, so this is good. This
1: is good. Cause I also, I coach runners and triathletes. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm going to do a little humble pie here. Like, so, you know, I was like, all right, you guys, we're going to stay motivated and we're going to be, you know, internally motivated and races are external motivation, which is fine, but we want to be internally motivated. We're going to set these small goals. We're going to do these things. I thought I was going to train. I was I knew that they were going to probably cancel the Chicago marathon. I was like, you know, I think that I'll just train for it and run a virtual marathon with that. And then I found myself that I would have the workouts for the marathon on my schedule. And I just wouldn't do them. It would say, you know, 10 miles. I was like, I don't want to run 10 miles. You know, why am I going to do that? There's no actual race. And I was laughing at myself as I did it because one of my philosophies is you really, you want to enjoy the whole process. And if you don't enjoy it, then you got to ask yourself, like, why? Why, What is it that you want to do? Like, why aren't you enjoying it? And so that was funny. So I was like laughing at myself and I just really you know, decreased the pressure on myself. I did plenty of virtual races with my friends that were just, I didn't actually treat them like races. It was just like we were working out together and getting the virtual acknowledgement. I'm super impressed by people who are setting PRs with virtual races. I just absolutely, I love it. I love that they're doing it. It doesn't work like that at all for me. I go out and I'm like, we. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. Like, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm super impressed. And I, so there's that. And then I took a giant vacation where I did hiking and stuff like that. And then this whole time I'm telling people, you know, internal motivation, internal motivation. And about three or four weeks ago, I signed up for a race in the spring. And it was like flipping a switch, Robin. It was like flipping a switch that all of a sudden I like went through and I put the workouts on my calendar. I was like, that's it. We do the workout. And I was like, oh, I am totally like egg in face. Like, you know, you know, so I mean, I am still very much motivated by the drive of, of the race. I mean, there's something, um,
0: there's something to that. And that's been the big challenge for this year is those of us who are generally externally motivated. Yeah. What are we doing? I know I started this year and I, I run, you know, Spartan races. And so I just treated every race, like it was still on my schedule and I called them pretend races. And so I would train just as if I was training. I'm like, well, who knows? maybe they will actually happen and then I'll be ready. And then, you know, months go by yeah. and you realize like, okay, they're not coming back. So, or at least not for a while. So how do you continue to keep yourself motivated. It's, it's a struggle, but you do have to do these little tricks, I think.
1: Yes. To and I don't have, like, I get going. up and I, I can I get up and work out. I exercise for 60 to 90 minutes, six days a week. Right. Yeah. So, but the intensity and the structure of the workouts just really dipped for me and, and it was okay. I mean, one of the things that I, one of the things that I realized for myself was that I really have been on a, you know, a fairly intense, endurance training schedule for years and years and years and it's okay for me to dial that back so you know I was like I mean I was just really enjoying it just doing social runs with my friends and my husband laughs at me he's like he's like yeah you say you're not working out you're still exercising hours and hours every week and I'm like yeah but I just am like not you know pushing it at any point you know I'm not going to the track and doing intervals
0: right And you're doing it because it makes you feel good and you enjoy it and, and it's an important part of your life. So, right. Exactly. Exactly. I do feel so much better. I really feel so much better when I work out. I feel it is an important part of me. And that's another thing that I think at least for me and for people I've worked with and probably for people you've worked with that, the more you do, the more you train for these races, the more you find that you love the feeling of exercise And it's no longer this thing you have to do because you're supposed to do it, but it's actually a thing you want to do because you love how you feel. And so the act of exercise becomes more ingrained in your life than it would be for someone who may not be chasing these types of goals.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. It becomes its own reward. Yes, for sure. So at least
0: in the pandemic, we have that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. And we did, so we were on lockdown for a little while here. And we were not really running out on the streets. Like the parks were all closed and our sidewalks all go through the parks. And that was a challenge for me. Um, And they closed all the beaches because they, you know, they didn't want us to gather. And that was a challenge for me. Yeah, that was a challenge for me because I really like to be outside. And I mean, I was still outside. I was in my yard. So I took a jump rope which was not a, not a good sport for me, but it was a wonderful <laughs> challenge. Yeah, wonderful sure. Challenge.
0: Especially if you're not used to it. That's oh, yeah. yourself in the head a lot.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. I, I did make tremendous improvement because when okay. I started, I was like a, you know, a first grade
0: girl, like <laughs> You'll be doing double Dutch by the end of the pandemic, so you're good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to do double Dutch. That would be fantastic. I've tried it so hard. I I took a double Dutch class once as an adult. Um, It is so hard. I did double Dutch as a kid. You so might have an went,
1: Yeah. So like the you know the first like I don't I it's one of those things where I don't know if I'd be able to do it as an adult, but you know the, the fear the of in. running into yeah. the rope. I like I remember that
0: and the doing the okay am I gonna? Yeah. Four okay. step back. Yeah. Four step back. Like, <laughs> we've all done it. Yep. That's half. That's half of double Dutch is just trying to like, right. get the courage to jump in at the right time. Yes. <laughs> so you know don't be offended but i'm going to call you an older athlete um, that's me <laughs> that's, that's we own it here um what type of unique challenges have you found that you are facing as you age in sport so all right what kind of
1: unique challenges have i found so i did start in endurance sports in my 20s so um, i think that i Delayed this a little bit um, because I was already in there. And I tend to be, I really have a priority on strength training and flexibility. So I tend to be very lucky with, I don't get overly injured a lot. And so I really knock on wood. I'm very, very thankful for that. But as, so in the, you know, you turn 40. So when I was in my thirties, I had a boss who was like, Amy, you know, when you, when you turn 30, your metabolism's going to change. And then it did not change. And I was still eating everything inside. And then I turned 35 and you same kind of thing. People were like, yeah, no, it's going to change. You know, you're not going to be able to eat cake every day. And I was like, all right, I'm waiting. I'm yeah. waiting for the day. And then though I turned like 42 and I was like, what is this? fluff on my belly that is not going away. And, and that was, that was, that was a, that was not the greatest. I have a pretty solid body image. Like I'm not, you know, um, not, not, I'm fine with the shape that I am and the size that I am. And so, but it was like really like an interesting discussion with myself. I was like, all right, I guess it's finally happening. Maybe I should have a smaller piece of cake. And um, and so that was that. And then the other big change that has really happened um, that has been fascinating to me in the last like five years is or three years. Maybe I just I need a giant warm up now. Like when I was younger, I used to like just run out of my house like no warm up, totally no issue. Never thought of it. Just I would see the warm up in every single book and just page right through it. I don't need that. That's not for me. And now I'm like, I need the warm up. Like I just, it's like the greatest part of my like workout. So that's been a huge change in aging. Those are the wisdom highlights are fun in my hair.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> wisdom really highlights. Good. I like the that. wisdom
1: highlights. I didn't come up with that. Somebody else came up with it. Um, I don't think, so what are some of the other things, challenges of getting older? I'm mostly in denial that it, there are any challenges. I mean, I am getting a little slower, I think, but I'm blaming that on the pandemic. So
0: we'll see if I can find my speed at the end. You're like, that would happen no matter how old I am. It's
1: pandemic. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm totally blaming it on yeah. this. I'm, I'm totally blaming it on my that. lower workload. So like, we'll we'll see, we'll see whether or not I can get, um, get faster that again when back. I start committed to doing it. But I think, that, I mean, I just know so many amazing adult athletes. I mean, my shift is definitely, I definitely have shifted. I've, because I've done a lot of races that I really am in it for the joy and the adventure right now. Um, and I think that that's nice. Yeah. It takes a lot of pressure off
0: for sure. Absolutely. So I'd like to ask kind of a partner question here and okay. that's what kind of advantages do you find age has been providing you that helps you participate in the sports that you. Yeah.
1: Love doing? Oh, patience. Yes. patience and calm. And, um, I think that as we age, we tend to get a lot better at listening to instructions. Um, and so when, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm much more chill than I was when I was younger about the gravity and the importance of the races. And so I'm easy. It's easier for me to roll with the punches when things go away that I'm not expecting them to go. I'm much more willing to take people's advice for how to do things, which is, you know, a great, great skill, and, um, and you know, so I think that that's a big thing with getting older, um, and just knowing that it's just a piece of, of, of your life. You know, it's just a piece of your life. It's a piece of your day, and just roll with it.
0: <laughs> well, just a little more chill on the whole.
1: Just a little more chill. Just a little more chill. And, um, and not that there's not that it's bad to take things seriously or be invested in races. It's not. It's great. Um, but I find that, you know, like if you, if you miss a turn on a course when you're young, um, you know, it's like, how, oh, how could I do that? And now if I was to miss a turn on a course, I'd be like, <laughs> I should have been paying a little more attention, right? right. You know, Where's and I, my brain. You
0: know, right. Exactly. <laughs> I just would be like, all right, well, today is not, you know, it's, it's not today. So yeah. Yeah. And I imagine if that DNF comes, you, I mean, it's never, it's never fun, but probably you take yeah. it a little differently now than back then. Oh yeah, no, I was not. Yeah. So the two DNFs I have were
1: like, so the first one I knew before the race, so that was totally fine. And then, um, oh, and I had like, so, and I have one, I have one race that I overslept. That was super embarrassing. And, um, (laughs) and then the, the one in Ironman Louisville, I still, I mean, I, I made the right decision. Um, and I know that, and it's just, you know, so on and so forth. Someday I'll go. They canceled that
0: race. so I can't go back and redo it. And that's okay. Oh, that's too bad. Um, let's move into your podcast. I want to talk about mile. let's do it. Let's talk about your podcast. Uh, it's called mile after mile. Um, tell me, tell me all about it. Why did you start it? And, uh, who's it for? What's it all about?
1: I started it back in 2016. Um, So I did my first Ironman in 2013. And when I was training for my Ironman, for me, that was an insane, insane, insane goal. I knew other people who had done it, who were acquaintances, but I didn't know anybody in my life that was a close friend or anything that had done it yet. Right now I know tons of people who've done it, but then I didn't, way outside my comfort zone. And as I was building my own you know, sphere of people who would support me in this, I found other stories of people who had done things that I thought were as extreme or crazier. And in fact, one of the people who's been a guest on your podcast, Aileen Nitsky, so she had a blog at the time about training for a bad water double. She's an ultra runner and she was writing once or twice a week about her workouts and what she was doing. And this was something that I'd never even considered, totally thought it was crazy. But the fact that she was out there doing this And blogging it was so inspirational and motivational to me. And I was like, it gave me confidence to take on the new challenges. So as I was going through my life and I was accumulating this sort of repository of stories of people who inspired me, Aileen, Hector Picard, Susan Hogg. T-Rex runner. These were people who were doing these things that I knew. And I loved these stories and I would share these stories with people when I was running, when I was cycling and things like that. And I, it was just sort of a thought in my head. I was like, I wonder if I could find 50 stories of people who were regular people, not pro athletes, but regular people who were out there doing these crazy things like Badwater Double, back-to-back Ironman, um, 20, 50 marathons before you're 25, you know, all these things, but just regular people. I wonder if I could do it. And so, and I just said to myself, I said, okay, I'm going to send these people an email. And if they say that they'll do an interview with me, then I'll launch this podcast. I may have, like, watched, like, a webinar or something about how to make a podcast. Right? I mean, I we had all nothing. did. <laughs> right. Exactly. I had no equipment, nothing. Yeah. I was like, you know, so on and so forth. And then I sent out those five emails. And Daniela Samprola who was a T-Rex t- runner, she wrote me back. And she was like, I'd love to be a guest. Like, within a half hour. And I was like, "Holy oh crap. I need to figure out how to do this. So... <laughs> Uh, So that's what I did. I sat down and I ordered the microphone and I watched uh, some other stuff, figuring out how to do it. And I started doing the interviews. And the goal was to see if I could do 50 stories um, of regular people who were doing extraordinary things. And then the audience is anybody who's looking for inspiration in motivation in their athletic journey, right? Which can be weight loss. It can be walking or running your first 5k. Cause while I've done marathons and Ironman, one of the things I've learned just as like a part of the process of being in the endurance sport is that the first 5k is just as hard Mm -hmm. the first mile. And, and so for some people, there's nothing, you know, there's, there's nothing it's every mile is hard. So it doesn't have to be a marathon. It can be a 5k. It can be, hundred mile bike ride. It can be a 10 mile bike ride. It's, it's, you know, whatever your challenge is. And so this is inspiration and motivation to know that there are people out there like you dreaming these big goals and going for it. And they don't have special stuff that makes them able to do it. It's just the, the decision to go
0: after it, break it down into small pieces and the, the courage to try. That's awesome. That's that's a big driver for what I do here too, so you and I are very similar in that way. But very similar. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I never played like, roller derby though. Well, that's the that's the weird thing that I've got. But uh, <laughs> and I've never done a triathlon. Uh, but uh, but the the idea that's like no matter what the distance is your first 5k is going to be just as hard as your first ultra. And yes. I've said that when I ran the Spartan ultra, uh, last year, about a year ago, you know, it was a 30 mile race. that took me 13 hours with obstacles and people ask, they're like, so how, how hard was it? Like, how sore are you? I'm like, just sore as I was when I ran my first 5k. Yeah, no, you absolutely. Know? It's like, it feels exactly the same because it's all relative. It's all relative. And
1: that first 5k or or another challenge that it might be. I mean, that is, it is exactly the same thing. It's like, it's like. I mean, the, the first step, the first half mile, the first quarter mile, mm-hmm. those are much harder than the end of, you know, a big training block. Because when you get to the end of the training block, you've, you've already got that base. It's the beginning of whatever the journey is. It's really, really hard.
0: Yep, yep, but you can always, we all have that capacity to, to grow and improve. Yes, so I like we... to
1: hope so. I like yes. to hope so, yes. Yeah.
0: We're gonna get it back, we're gonna get it back. <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh so did you get your 50 stories so I got 45 oh
1: you're so close um no now I've got now I've got many more so I got 45 in that first year and then I had a fight with Skype I used to record my um oh yeah interviews with Skype Me and too. so there was a block where I didn't have where I wasn't doing it and I just like I, I took a pause and then I came back but now we're at like 110
0: Very nice. So yeah, you're like, well, 50 and I'm done. JK. Right. Exactly. No. And
1: I love telling the stories. And during the break, people would come to me and they're like, are you coming back? Are you coming back? I was like, I think so, but I have to figure this out. I don't know what I'm doing. So I need a new platform. And then I found this newfangled technology called zoom. Tell me about and Zoom. I, I used to have to tell people like what it was and send yep. them all these instructions. And now everybody knows. Yep. Everybody has a microphone and everybody has a headset. It's like yep. a
0: really, really good thing. The pandemic has been so helpful for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, pandemic, for making so our lives true. easier. I, I mean, I it's honestly so hadn't thought of that until right at this moment, but but it's true. Yep. Um. So... Tell me some of your favorite or most unique stories that you've shared on the podcast.
1: Oh, that is a, such a good, that is such a good, okay, so um, that is a great thing. Let me tell us. so there's so many. Okay, so the first interviews that I did um, were, so one of my, I'm very lucky to have a very close friend, Carrie Grusin, and she's a quadriplegic who races as a part of a duo team. And so I interviewed her and Karen Lubetzky, she was like my second episode about how they did Ironman Florida together. And it's really a very, very special story, especially because I know these people in real life so that's a good one um I interviewed um a guy named Luis Alvarez who has done every single Ironman course on on the planet um wow. and he's also climbed the highest mountains he is really honestly you know those commercials where it used to be the most interesting man in the world Dos Equis? he is also from Mexico so he's like the living embodiment of that like character <laughs> like he's done all these very cool things and he's a wonderful person Susan Hogg, who's a, a person who's done over 100 Ironman distance races, and she uh, just, just does them back-to-back. It's, like, amazing. Um, and so those are some of the highlights. This year, um, oh, I interviewed a guy who is a, um, a marathon walker, which I didn't oh. even know was a thing. Um, until he and I talked about it. And he's done these amazing things. He just is hundreds and hundreds of miles of walking. He just did, he's in London. So he did all of the subway tunnels, like the route over the streets of all of the subway tunnels in London. He sent me an update about that. So that's very cool. I interviewed a person who won, Becca Peasy. She won the seven marathons and seven continents in seven days race. Have you ever heard of that? I feel
0: like I have.
1: Okay, so that that's yeah. such a cool story. It's such a such a cool story. And, and there's all they are all super super interesting. I just can go on and on about it. Every time I I have like a an email that I was writing and I was like I'm going to give you the, my top 5 podcasts and I looked down it was like 20 and I was like, "Oh,
0: right? this is going to take some editing." <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a great thing. Like it's, it's why I keep going. And I'm sure it's why you keep going in those times when you have to stop for a little while. Yeah. And the thing that brings you back, it's like talking to these people brings me so much joy. Like it's, yeah, it's such a honor to get to do that and to get to connect with these people in this way. And it's unique and not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody.
1: No, I love it. I just, um, like I got to interview a bunch of people who did the world's toughest race, the eco challenge. Oh, yeah. That, I, that's super interesting. Super, super interesting. I interviewed – so in, the, in the virtual races this summer, we had all these people doing the uh, backyard ultras, yes. like the loops, right? So I interviewed people yes. who did those, a bunch of those virtual races. Um, oh, fun story. So I interviewed a guy named Hector Rodriguez. He had done um, – an ultra a virtual ultra and he had run over 100 miles and it was a great thing and he's a super cool guy and then he he works for amazon and he's one of the people he's gotten he's on one of the amazon commercials oh wow so yeah super wow. fun so he's on the podcast i talked to him like i'm talking to you and we got to know each other and then a few days later he's like look here i am in the commercial i was like oh my god
0: <laughs> look at you there you there are, are.
1: In the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was very cool. He just went on to do the Moab 240, which is a 240 mile foot race in Moab, which is right. hot and hot. dry.
0: Yeah. But probably very beautiful. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 That's awesome. I love, I love hearing these stories. I love telling these stories. Like it's, it's just fun.
1: And I told your story. I love your story. And I'm telling I was your talking- story. Yep. I went, I was telling everybody about the, I just, I
0: love the roller derby thing. I'm like, I did roller derby. <laughs> it's true. You don't get that too often. Like I haven't no. e- talked to like two people who have been involved in roller derby in all of my episodes. It's all, it's, you don't, it's not a common, you don't come across. now. No. Who knows a ton of people. I know a ton of people. So if you need a roller derby person, I could probably hook you up. <laughs> You're my roller derby oh, person. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> How can people get in touch with you online, find out about your podcast, your blog, how to, how to get, connect with you if they need coaching. Let's, let's talk links. Let's talk.
1: So, all right. So I blog at com because I'm Amy and I say so, which is of course a play on the whole parental thing, you know, because I say so. So (laughs) it was all, it was all started as a joke, but it's now I like it and it's stuck. And that is Moyer, I blog and the name of the podcast is the mile after mile podcast, which was just because I'm not obviously a branding expert and didn't pick the same name for everything. But the mile after mile podcast has its own website, mileaftermilepodcast.com. And it's also on all of the podcast channels. So you can find it on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all of those places. And then I am on social media. It's all Amy says so, um, which is a hard thing to get perfectly on the social media channels. So I'm sometimes very modestly the Amy says so. So like on Instagram, I'm the Amy says so because I'm so- very important. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Kind
0: of a big deal. And apparently there are other, (laughs) there are other Amy's who say so. So Right. No, there's
1: somebody else who has Amy says so the main Amy says so. So I am the Amy says so on Instagram and um, I'm trying to figure out how to make YouTube videos that are not terrible. So that's there
0: too. You and me both sister, you and me both (laughs) similar journeys. Um, so I asked this question as we get ready to wrap up, I asked this of everybody. I always put everybody on the spot like this. If you could leave us with one parting piece of wisdom, what would that be?
1: Oh my goodness. I should have paid more attention when I was listening to your podcast and prepared for this question. Um, so I guess, so there, I love, love to like have little pockets of information. I'm one of those people who have little phrases that I hold on to for different things. I guess they're not quite mantras, but I just like little, little phrases, but, um, I like to be very, very focused on my goal or my, my destination, right? Like what I'm working towards, Mm -hmm. but very flexible in how I'm going to get there. So very, very focused in what I want, but really kind of flexible about how it's going to work out and
0: get there. So you're like ways, like, yeah, right. (laughs) So it's like, we know where to go, but sometimes you got to hit that root button and find another way to get there. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Because if you get fixed on, if you get fixated on like the minutia of, of the steps, sometimes it's not helpful. And, you know, you just have to take a step back and take a deep breath and be like, all right, you know, this is going to work out. My goal is over here. And, and this exact, it is actually that ways is actually a very good comparison. It's like, okay, this road is closed because of whatever is going on. So I, what am I going to do? Am I going to not go where I wanted to go or am I going to pockets
0: of traffic that you were not expecting, and construction and you're like gotta find a route right now different way to go you know you're exactly in, you're in Miami I'm in Los Angeles traffic analogies <laughs> work really really well for us I think that's very similar although your highway
1: traffic is like legendary for yes. you know being being bad and but very similar also in that we're both very we're states that are very north south right so like going east to west in Miami is always a disaster yeah so, yeah
0: like, <laughs> well and it's same here same here yeah east to west it's but also north to south going always <laughs> <laughs> anytime
1: you try and leave your house in california it's like never gonna know i
0: i mean uh, in some ways the pandemic has been helpful <laughs> for that
1: <laughs> Don't have to You're go looking anywhere. today. Today, Robin is looking for blessings in the pandemic.
0: Yes. Send her, send her your blessings in the pandemic. I mean, I found at least two today alone. So, hooray! For
1: They're them. there. I mean, yeah. I think that part of the thing is people don't want to call them blessings because we we don't want there to have been a pandemic. We wouldn't have chosen yeah. no. these things, right? So it's hard to see it. But I think that generally people are pretty happy with um, the slower pace that we had over the summer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. As long as it didn't cause you like financial distress, in which case yeah. you were not happy about it. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things that we have not seen yet that will be blessings from this in that I truly, truly believe that the communi- way we communicate has probably changed forever. Yes. You yeah. know, so like my kids are doing, my kids are back in school, but like if they want to, because it's presented hybridly, if they want to, they can stay home mm-hmm. and have exact same school experience from home. So that's an amazing thing. I mean, that like blows my mind if I think about it too long.
0: Yeah. The way we've utilized technology and change, yeah. you know, I just, just think like it's amazing. Yeah.
1: And in sport, I think it's going to change everything too. I just don't think we know yet.
0: It remains to be seen. It right. remains to be seen. I think everybody's trying to figure that out right now. And yeah. it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out for us when we can start actually gathering to participate in these events again.
1: Yeah, so I did my first real event this past weekend. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. quick, quickly. I thought yeah. I had the last question, but. So
1: very small 5K. Um, it was So it was something that was planned for the um, spring and was deferred. And it was a 5K that is held on the airplane runway here in Miami. First time they've ever done it, right? So it was a pretty good gimmick, actually. Pretty yeah. good gimmick, because that was really fun. And uh, But it was always going to be small crowd because of the restrictions of the airport. And because of that, and because uh, it was a short race, short distance, like, so, you know, 30, 45 minutes, 60 minutes for people to do it, they just really spread us way out, yeah. you know, so they sent us times. I've never... <laughs> You've done complicated events. I've done complicated events. I've never gotten so many emails as I did for this 5K, and I say that with love because they were like figuring things out. They were true. They best. wanted yeah. yes, and they wanted to make sure we knew what all the rules were, and it was all very, very good. But the night before, I was like, "All right, I have to look at all. Why do I have seven messages for this 5K?" But um, they assigned us times to show up. Like so, we yeah. were if you were only supposed to get there a half hour before the start, and so you got there and then they just sort of pushed you through and we were all very, very spread out. Um, and so it was fine. Um, we were, it was, it felt very safe and very doable and, um, and very nice. And so I think that, you know, given the time, like you need the time for people to do it and you need the space for them to spread out. It is doable. I just don't know how it's going to shake out for something you did the Los Angeles marathon, the big events. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, cause yeah. I did, I was in wave two of this event. It was 30 minutes for me to run it. There were still people starting, yeah, when I finished. And so I don't know how that plays out if you have 30,000
0: people. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like the airport, the airport setup was perfect, because it's yes. a, it's away from the city. It's in its own contained area. Yes, and spread everybody out. So it was like, they didn't realize what a great venue they had for, for a pandemic yes. race by doing exactly
1: there was no way to be for there to be a crowd. There was never going to be any way for people to spectate. You know, they didn't yeah. have to deal with any of those things.
0: Yeah. So well, yeah.
1: So that was my first one. Yay.
0: Well, congratulations on getting to get back out there. Thank you. Yes. Amy, thank you so much for being on the seasoned athlete podcast. It's been fun doing this little back and forth podcast visit. Um, and it's great sharing your story and, and hearing about the athletes that. You interview on mile after mile. I love, you know, we have similar missions, like I said, and I love connecting people with people who have their own unique story, but kind of on a similar path as what I've done. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your story and uh, best of luck to you getting back out there, whatever it may look like in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I've had a blast talking with you today.
0: Question for you, seasoned athletes. How would it feel if you could go from not being able to run at all to being able to run a 5K distance in just eight weeks? Or if you can run a 5K distance, how'd you like to up that to a 10K by January? If you want a solid workout program that'll keep you focused through the holidays and will get you to a new running milestone in the new year, my brand new 60-day 5K, 10K challenge is for you. The challenge starts on November 30th and includes an eight-week run builder training program for the distance of your choice. This will lead to a virtual race weekend and virtual after party on the weekend of January 23rd and 24th. And because every race worth its salt has a medal, you'll get your own shiny finishers medal too. You only have a few days left to join the 60 day 5K, 10K challenge. Go to seasonedathlete.me and click on the bar at the top of the page to get all the juicy details and to join the fun.